talked about so far. Um, on Tuesday, I mentioned that God's pursuit is what? Can anyone? Redemptive. redemptive. Yes, redemptive. Redemptive. And what about yesterday? There were two. Relentless, yep, relentless. Yep, sacrificial. Good. Then today we're going to talk about how God's pursuit is active. But before we do that, um, just want to get us talking for a few minutes. But what brings you comfort? What brings you comfort? We'll list them on the board. What? Security. Security, okay. What else brings brings y'all comfort? Family. Family? Yeah, family. You said friends? Friends. Being home. Being home. Yeah, being home. What else? Chocolate. Chocolate. Okay, chocolate. What? Yeah, friends. Got friends. Dog. Cat. Animals in general. Well, not all animals. Books. Movies. Blankets. Did someone say Alexa? No, okay, I thought someone said Alexa. Like, <laughs> Alexa, play. Yeah, sovereignty of God. Okay, listening to uh, Christian music. Prayer. I'll, I'm going to say food. <laughs> All right, we 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 have a pretty good list right here. What about during hard times? What brings you comfort during hard times? Oh, oh a lot of the same things that are on here. Anything else that we want to add to that list during hard times? Prayer. Prayer, yep. Yep, prayer's on there. Yeah, yeah. So so walking we exercise right 
Some people just need to get out and just exercise, work out. Yeah. Yeah, listening to audio books, um, kind of just getting away and, and being by yourself for a little bit. Yeah. Um, we're going to... Remembering how God is taking care of you, man. Yeah, yeah. Remembering. Remembering God's care for you. Yeah, that's a good one. We're going to be in Psalm 23 this morning. And over many, 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 many years, Psalm 23 has been a comfort and a confidence for God's people, especially during times of of trouble and times of suffering and times where life is, is hard. And so... The Bible talks about how the God is a God of all comfort. And it's my prayer that God would comfort us this morning with this psalm. So, Psalm 23, six verses. Could I actually have someone read that for us loudly for everyone to hear? Anyone who would be willing to do that? Alright, awesome. So, Psalm 23, is everyone there? I'll pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you would you would come for us this morning. Lord, that your spirit, by your spirit, you would um, illuminate your word to our hearts. And that these truths would be worked out in our own hearts and our lives. God, I pray that you would be the one to teach us. To teach us your ways, for your ways are better than our ways. Your thoughts are better than our thoughts. And so, um, we thank you so much for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. I think all of us in this room could agree that life is full of ups and downs. That life is full of good times and bad times. We've Probably all of us in this room have experienced both, right? The good times in life and also really hard times in life. And Psalm 23 speaks to both the good times and the bad times. It speaks about God being a good shepherd to his people. Richie Sessions, um, he's, he's a pastor. He's an RUF minister at Vanderbilt. But he's spoken here several times as a main speaker. But Richie Sessions describes our present condition in this world um, in a beautiful way. And I think it's the best description or the best way to describe our, our present condition. And he uses this phrase called a ruined paradise. 
And he uses that intentionally. And as we talked about on Tuesday, we talked about how God created this paradise and it was perfect in Genesis 1 and 2. And then in Genesis 3, the fall happens and sin enters into the world, which shattered the paradise. And so he uses ruined paradise intentionally. And he he says it's a ruined paradise because... There are good things and beautiful things in this world, right? I don't want us to just, ah, the world's just awful, right? But there are some good things and some beautiful things in this world. I mean, we can just open up that door and immediately we're hit with the beauty of the ocean and the waves crashing and the beautiful white sand, right? There's good music and running through the sprinkler on a hot summer day and eating mangoes with your friends and laughing and going to concerts and dancing at the dance party, right? There are good things in this world that are like paradise. But in that same world where there's dancing and going to concerts and laughing and eating mangoes and enjoying the beach, there's also violence and injustice, there's divorce, there's broken relationships, there's fights, there's death, there's pollution, because it's broken by sin. And I think what we find here in this psalm is that the first three verses, they describe the good times in life. How does it start? How does Psalm 23 start? What's the very first thing it says? is my shepherd. Everything in this psalm flows out of that phrase, the Lord is my shepherd. Now what does that mean that the Lord is our shepherd? What do we know about the role of a shepherd? Yeah, they guide the sheep. What else? Protect them. Watches over. Feeds them. Cares for them, right? Leads them. Now, if the Lord is our shepherd, then what are we? We're sheep, right? And uh, that's not a compliment, right? Um, What do we know about sheep? They're dumb, dumb, right? They're dumb. What else? What? Yeah, they wander. I mean, they are like creatures of habit. If one wanders off towards the cliff, they all follow and then, you know. They fall off the cliff, right? Okay, what else? What? Wait, what was it? Yeah, they're defenseless, right? They're defenseless. Left to themselves, they are will easily be destroyed, right? Um, yeah, they're not the smartest. They're weak. And yet God says, we're the sheep and he's the shepherd. And this image of shepherd and sheep, it points forward to Jesus. If you go and read John 10, Jesus talks about how he's the good shepherd. And oftentimes in scripture, God uses um, these two relationships. Um, the fa- Him being a father and us being his children. And then he also uses the shepherd and the sheep. Which we see here. And so, yeah, so, so go to John 10. Uh, not now, but like later on, I'd encourage you to, to go and read it. Because it's beautiful how it talks about Jesus being our good shepherd. 
But, okay, so the Lord is my shepherd. What's the second half of that verse? What does it say, that second half? I shall not want. One of the most important questions that you can ask yourself, and one of the questions that I love asking my students back in Jackson, because um, it, helps, it helps me get insight on, on what they believe about God. But I'll often ask a student during a one-on-one, and I'll say, what do you think God is like? And they'll tell me. And some of the answers are funny, and some of them are really sad. Um, I asked someone that, and, and this girl's like, well, I think God is like a happy emoji. I was like, okay, speaking in emojis. But what do you think God is like? I think sometimes we can think, we can tend to think God is like a vending machine. And Russ talked about this last night, but um, what I mean by that is that you know, a vending machine, you, you go to it to get stuff, right? To get what you want. I remember in middle school, we had like a 15-minute recess snack time. And we there were these two vending machines. And it, during that little 15-minute window, everyone would go to the vending machine. And I would go every day, and I would get chewy gobstoppers. And nowhere else could I find chewy, chewy gobstoppers besides this vending machine. And we all went to it to get what we wanted. And I think sometimes we can view God like that. Like we only go to God to just get stuff from Him. from Him, Or to just get what we want from Him. And this idea of I shall not want... My mind... When I read that, like my mind tends to go to like material things. I don't know if you all think that. Like when you read it, it's like, oh, my mind goes to the material thing. But I shall not want... It means not lacking or lacking nothing. And the point is, is that with Jesus, we have all that we need. With Jesus, we lack nothing. And so what we see here in Psalm 23 is that the good shepherd actually gives the sheep what they need. The good shepherd goes to the core of what the sheep really want. And we see what the sheep really want. What they really want is safety and security and rest and guidance and protection. And we want the same thing as well. Deep down inside, all of us in this room want the same things. Regardless that we're all different in this room, but, at, but deep down inside we all want the same thing. We want safety. We want security. We want guidance. We want provision. We want rest for our weary souls. But with Jesus, we lack nothing. With Jesus, we will not lack life. With Jesus, we will not lack guidance. With Jesus, we will not lack provision. With Jesus, we will not lack rest. With Jesus, we will not lack a heavenly home. You see, with Jesus, we do not lack these things. And what we find is that the Good Shepherd meets our needs. Look at verses 2 and 3. What does the Good Shepherd do for his sheep? In verse 2, what does he do? 
Yeah, he he leads us. He he makes us lie down in green pastures and he leads us beside the still waters. Here's the thing, is that the good shepherd gives rest for our restless souls. You see, our frantic pursuits of created things will leave us restless and wanting more. Our souls will never be satisfied by created things or material things. And what we find is that our deepest desires are met in Jesus. And then look at verse 3. What else does God do for his sheep? Yeah, he restores their soul and he leads in the paths of righteousness. Um, When we were describing the sheep, we talked about how they're creatures of habit and they're just not really smart, right? And so what they'll do is they they kind of do the the same habits so they'll so this is this is what one writer says he says if left to themselves sheep will follow the same trails until they become ruts they'll graze in the same hills until they turn to desert wastes and as humans i think we can do the same because of sin right how many of us cling to the same habits Even the same habits that we have seen ruin other people's lives. But we cling to those habits thinking, oh, maybe it will work out this time. But usually sometimes it just doesn't, right? I think what David is pointing out here is that we have a tendency to turn our own way. And when we turn our own way, basically all that means is that we do what we want. And we, our culture is infested with this, just do what you want. Do what makes you happy. You do you, boo. That's it. Like, just do it, right? That's Nikes. Just do it, right? That's the culture that we live in. And here's the thing, I think, and I've mentioned this Tuesday and Wednesday, but I'll mention it again. And we saw it with Jonah. But I think if we're honest, I think sometimes we can live like we know better than God. We can often live like we know better than God. And so what we have here is that the image here is that the sheep are lost. They've lost their way and they need to be found. And what does God do? He restores word restores it means to return or bring back and the good shepherd brings back the sheep from all the places that they've wandered and God does the same with us God brings us back from all the places that you have wandered and he brings you back to himself and it's all because of the goodness of God God, out of His goodness, over and over and over again, brings back wayward, rebellious sinners like you and me back to Himself and onto the paths of righteousness. But then, if we go to verse 4, this is when we start to get into the bad times in life. In verse 4, what is it talking about? 
It goes from the green pastures to the what? The valley of the shadow of death, right? It turns dark. We've just seen how they're, okay, the good times, the green pastures, but then also there's this valley of the shadow of death. Generally speaking, what do we do when when darkness and disappointments and hardships come in our life? Like, what do we tend to do when those things come knocking on our door? Yeah, run, hide. Yeah, we we can pretend it's not there, right? And sometimes we pretend it's not there by distracting ourselves. I'll just distract myself with Netflix and food and friends and my phone. So pretend it's not happening, right? What else? Some of you said you like to to kind of be off by yourself for for a little bit and kind of just recharge and think. What else? What? Yeah, overindulge ourselves. Yeah. Maybe for some of us, we go to a trusted friend or we go to our, our mom or our dad or our youth leader or someone in the church that we trust. The question becomes, what is, okay, what is God like during the hard times? What does God do when we're, in, when, when we're in the valley of the shadow of death? Is He still good? And these questions are answered in this psalm. You see, <laughs> this is what life is like in a ruined paradise. If you're a Christian, we are given the joy of walking with Jesus. But walking with Jesus does not mean that we are going that we're free from trouble and that we're free from hard things and bad things that happen in our life. But here's the thing. What it does mean is that Jesus is with us. There are going to be times in your life where you're in the valley. When you're in the darkness. And there are going to be times when things are hard. And times where there's darkness. And maybe for some of you in this room... You're right there in that valley. Maybe for some of you in in this room, that valley for you looks like the, a loved one dying recently. Or maybe for some of you in that room, that 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 looks like having a really bad year at school. Or maybe it looks like a broken friendship or a breakup. Or maybe it looks like depression. Maybe it looks like anxiety. Maybe it looks like loneliness. Do you know that loneliness um, is... They, sociologists and all smart people, whatever. They actually say that loneliness is, like, is an epidemic. 
and that we're the most connected generation with this, but they also say we're the most, we're the loneliest generation. So maybe for some of you it's loneliness. You're connected, but you're not. But maybe some of us are in this room and we're not in the valley. And we're actually in the green pastures. See, some of us are in the valley in this room and some of us aren't. But what we must not do is ignore the valleys in life. Because they're there and they will happen. But here's the good news. Here's the hope. That being under the care of the Good Shepherd, like I said, doesn't mean a trouble-free life. But it does mean that we're under the care of the Good Shepherd. We're secure in Christ. There is good news. And what does God do? What does God do when we're facing the hard things in life? He draws near. God meets us there. God not only pursues us when things are good and yeah, like life is life is good. We're on the mountaintop. Yes, he pursues us there, but he also pursues us in the valley. He meets us there in the good times and he meets us there in the bad times. The Bible talks about how God draws near to the brokenhearted. You see, out of God's goodness, you know what He says to you and me? He says, I got you. Nothing is going to snatch you out of the, uh, from the grip that I have on you. Once you are mine, you are mine. I have you. I'm not walking out on you. I will not abandon you. I'm going to rescue you. Some of you in this room may feel or have felt disgraced in your life. And for those of you who feel that way or who have experienced disgrace, God says to you that I will cover your disgrace with my grace. That's what God does. And David, who wrote this, he can say, even in the darkest moments in his life, he can say, you know what, I have nothing to fear because God is with me. God's present with me. And what a comfort to know that Jesus promises... He promises to be with us in the midst of trouble. And God leads us through the valleys, guiding us, protecting us, fighting for us, and comforting us. Also, if you notice in verse 5, what happens in verse 5? David is talking about this valley of the shadow of death. And then verse 5, what happens? God prepares a table. God prepares a feast. 
feast in the midst of this valley. You see, the psalm goes from the shepherd guiding his sheep to a host throwing a lavish party where there is a feast like none other. You see, when your world is falling apart, God says, come and feast. Drink from my grace. Drink from my joy. It is overflowing. It is endless. About two years ago, I experienced this in my life. Two years ago, I went through something that was really, really hard. And I remember calling up one of my friends. And she, she said, come, come over. So I went over to her house and she had prepared food and we sat at her table and I remember I was just I was just crying. I wasn't really forming words, I was just crying. And we were sitting across from each other and we were sharing a meal and then she began to cry. And it was this moment of like didn't know what it was going to look like in, in that moment what, what I was going through but I felt God's presence and I knew like no matter what God had me and God's got me even though like I, I didn't know what that, what that would look like or how the situation would turn out. But just sharing a meal with a friend and, and, and having someone there to have a feast with. There's something really powerful about that. And here's the thing. You will need other people in life. And you will need to be that other person for somebody else who's in the valley because we're all going to go through it and some of us will be there and some of us won't and we will need to be that other person for someone who is going through it at that time I think another thing at this table is that there's diversity at this table God's family is a diverse family God's pursuit is not just for Americans it's not just for white people, black people, Hispanic people, biracial people, God's pursuit is for the nations. It's for every race, it's for every tribe, it's for every tongue. You see, in God's family, there are going to be people who won't look like you. There are going to be people who um, may not talk like you. Or have a different language or an accent. They're gonna be they're gonna be people who have a different culture. They're gonna be people who have different gifts and personalities and different social economic status than you. But everyone at this table has a seat who trusts in Jesus by faith. And it's beautiful. Lastly, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's pursuit is active. 
God's got you in good times and he's got you in bad times and he's got you forever. That's what we see here. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. God's got you forever. The word follow here in this passage, it means pursue. God the creator of the heavens and the earth is pursuing you. And I know I keep saying that over and over and over again, but we need to hear it over and over again to be reminded that the God who created the ocean out there is the same God who's pursuing you in here. And what we see here is that God's, we see God's active goodness and we see God's active nearness in this psalm. Grace will find you. Wherever you have wandered, wherever you, wherever you have been, grace will find you. God will find you. How have we seen the goodness of God? We've seen it from the very beginning of creation when God created us. He created us out of His goodness. He spared us out of His goodness. He redeemed us out of His goodness. He pursues us out of His goodness. He is good to His very core. One of my favorite quotes, and I'll end with this. One of my favorite quotes um, comes from the Jesus Storybook Bible from Sally Lloyd-Jones. And she says, she says this about God's love. God's, uh, God loves you with a never stopping, never giving up, unbreaking, always and forever love. I'll, I'm going to say it again because it's like, it's a good. God loves you with a never stopping, a never giving up, an unbreaking, always and forever love. Let's pray to that God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your love. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We come before your throne of grace only because of what you have done in Christ to redeem us. Lord, I pray that these truths would be applied to our hearts and to our lives that we would be changed by your gospel, by your word. Lord, that we would go forth in in confidence, not in our own, not in ourselves, but confidence in Christ, covered by the blood of Christ, that our sins are covered by Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.